If you've been sitting on the sidelines, maybe even saying, I don't know what my gift is. The Bible doesn't say, find out your gift. It says, serve. Nothing will so invigorate your Christian life as getting involved in serving one another, ministering outward. Don't seek to be served. Don't sit in a church and say, what am I getting out of this? What am I, what's this doing for me and mine? Which is the American way of thinking. I mean, it's the natural man's way of thinking. Self-centered. No, think, what can I give to this church? What can I give to this body of believers? What can I give to Christ the head? Emulate your Savior in giving, in serving, in loving. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, One Body, Many Members. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Think so as to have sound thinking, saved judgment, saved thinking, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ." and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, and he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, Watch what he does here and keep this, uh, the connection in mind. First, he calls for worship of Christ. He says, in light of what Christ has done for you, present yourself to him. It's the only rational thing to do. It's your spiritual service of worship. Then he calls for service to Christ. Worship of Christ and service. For Christ. They go hand in hand. Devotion to Christ, service of Christ. Verse 1 and 2 lead naturally to verses 3 through 8 and following. Now, uh, it's common, and it's sad, but it, it's common, and I must uh, point it out, that there are many Christians who try to have one without the other. A lot of Christians talk a lot about devotion to Christ and manifest very little service of Christ. There's something wrong there. It just doesn't add up. And conversely, it's sad when you see Christians who are busy serving Christ, it seems, and yet they manifest very little devotion to Christ, very little real heart for Christ. And if you, you know, somebody says, well, who are you talking about? Well, if the shoe fits, wear it, (laughs) you know. If you sense as I say it, that you're one who talks a good game, you talk about your devotion to Christ, but when it comes to service, when it comes to really doing much about it, well, I went to church. What more do you want? I mean, how many times a week do you want me to go? If that's kind of the tone, then you, you know, I don't have to tell you anything more. You know in your heart that just doesn't add up to say how much you love Christ, but you don't want to use your life for Him. You don't want to use your gifts for Him. You don't want to use your money for Him. You want to use your time, your money, uh, for yourself, after all, it's yours. We'll give him his 10% or whatever, but mainly it's you. Well, that just isn't right. It doesn't add up, and you're uncomfortable with it, even as I mention it. 
On the other hand, it's easy, and some Christians do, get occupied with service and think that the Christian life is just all there is, and they don't really manifest that love of Christ. Keep these two in a healthy balance. Where verse 1 is true, verse 3 and following will be true. Where one is presented to Christ as a living and holy sacrifice, one will be actively using his gift or gifts, her gift or gifts, to serve Christ. And where there is a healthy service of Christ, there will be a love of Christ and a devotion to Christ. They go together. So uh, one reason I keep wanting to read verse 1 and following with this is because they're, they're meant to be seen. I mean, you know, we've been at it this for weeks because there's so much to see here. But don't forget the connection. Sometimes even go back when you read this uh, this week. Maybe go back and read verse 33 of 11. Read the end of chapter 11 and let it flow into chapter 12. Listen, from God came everything. I urge you in light of that, give yourself to him and serve him. Use your abilities to serve him. Now, verses 3 and following, he moves from the general to the specific. In other words, generally speaking, every Christian's responsibility is the same. Yours is exactly the same as mine, exactly the same as the Apostle Paul's. Generally speaking, I am to what? Present my life to Christ. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So are you. If you're a Christian, you and I are to have identical devotion to Him. We're His. But specifically... It will work itself out quite differently because there are no two Christians alike. We have been gifted differently. And so specifically, there will be quite different, even I would use the term unique. And I use that carefully, but I mean it. Uh, because there's no two Christians identical. Even though they might have the same gift, there might be two people with the gift of service. They won't serve in identical ways we are uniquely fit for our place not only in this congregation but in the body of Christ there's no one like you there's no one like me thank the Lord huh I mean you know you think about it he uniquely fit us for our particular role another way of looking at it tying in verse 2 1 and 2 again the will of God the perfect pleasing good will of God will be identical for every Christian as to holy living, as to devotion to Christ. That's his will for all of us. But it will be different as to how that will be fleshed out. He says, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, Notice, he's talking here, and I would underline it because the Bible does, every time it speaks of this, he's talking to every man. He's talking to every woman. He's talking to every kid. He's talking to every person in Christ. Verse 3, through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you. This isn't just for certain Christians. This instruction is for all of us, as each one has received a special gift, First Peter puts it. I'm quoting First Peter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. 
So he's talking to every Christian, and he says, just as the human body is one and yet has an awful lot of diversity, so the church, the body of Christ. Now, the Bible uses uh, a variety of analogies to picture for us the church. And, uh, you know, it calls us a building, and Christ is the foundation, the cornerstone. It calls us uh, the bride, and Christ is the bridegroom. We're a flock, and Christ is the shepherd. But this is a very common one. We're the body of Christ, and Christ himself is the head. And so he uses this analogy here, and these analogies are meant to teach us something. And uh, there's a lot we can learn from it. And I want us to just let this kind of sink in because uh, it's so valuable, it seems to me. Listen, and I'll read parallel passages from Corinthians that Paul wrote, even as he says, now, verse 4 of Romans, he says, we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Listen to how he introduces it in Corinthians. He says, for even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Every Christian is gifted. No two Christians are alike. There's one body, many members. Let me simplify it. The great emphasis is unity. There's one body. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. There's not many bodies. There's one. Even though I know there's denominations and splits and things, that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about the essential here. There's one body of Christ, unity. And there are many members, diversity. Unity, diversity, and perhaps I could say mutuality. We need each other, and he's going to develop that. Whenever he talks about this, he points out there's unity, and yet there's diversity. And we need one another. Now, when you speak of the body, and particularly gifts, and that's what he's going to get into here, that he talks about the different gifts that we have as Christians. When you speak of gifts, it seems to me there's two common errors and, uh, that we make. There's probably more than that. But they both flow, it seems to me, from failure to really look at verse 3. <laughs> Don't think too highly of yourself. And so in our day where that's a particular problem, where we've even made that a Christian virtue in a lot of pulpits, in a lot of seminars, a lot of books, is to prop your self-image up when God is saying, no, no, don't get it up too high. Don't think too much of yourself. Uh, well, you can expect these problems will be rampant, and I'm afraid they are, but there's an awful lot of dissatisfaction with your gift. That's the first problem I would underline. And uh, the other, secondly, is overvaluing your gift. Overvaluing your gift. Uh, dissatisfaction with your gift. You know, there's a, a tendency to, to be dissatisfied with your gift. If the foot should say, I'm reading from Paul now in Corinthians, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. 
it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. It is a childish, self-centered thing to say, well, if I can't do that, then I'm just not even part of this church. Or how come I never get to? And that kind of grumbling is basically a manifestation of thinking too highly of yourself, being occupied with self again and wishing you had uh, that gift or someone else's gift but not yours and failing to see that God is the giver of gifts and they are just that, gifts, they're not deserved. There's nothing we should ever take any pride in. It's God who, by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as He wills, distributes the gifts. So I read, If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. I'm reading Corinthians 12. Uh, as divine comment, really, on Romans 12. But then there's this other thought of overvaluing our gift. There are those who basically feel like their gift is what God gave the church. And, in fact, they start to think of themselves as God's gift to the church. And, again, it's a misunderstanding of the whole context here. God is the one who saved you. God is the one who rescued you. God is the one who allots to each a measure of faith. He is the one who gifted you. And to think of yourself and to look down your nose at someone else's gift, again, the divine response, and I'll read from the parallel passage in Corinthians 12. Uh, just reading on, he says, Listen, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we, do, we bestow much more abundant seemliness. Whereas our seemly members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another." And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You know, uh, you could write over this whole subject, it seems to me, what Paul wrote in Corinthians 4. Listen to this, verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? When it comes to gifts, we're talking about spiritual gifts now. What did you have they didn't receive? That could be written over the whole Christian life. But we're talking about the very subject of gifts. What did you earn? <laughs> That's a gift. What did you have? What do you have that you didn't receive? But if you did receive it, he writes on, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Beware of thinking too highly of yourself or thinking too lowly of another, putting yourself over another because of gifts or any such thing. Now, having said that, Paul goes on to list seven gifts here, starting at verse 6 and following. In Corinthians 12, he has one list of nine and another of eight. 
And uh, none, of the, none of the lists, Romans 12 and the two in Corinthians 12, can be completely brought together. In other words, they, they overlap some, but they're not the same. And I think the very, one time it's seven, one time it's nine, another time it's eight, and almost the offhandedness of Paul's comments teach us that uh, gifts can be thought of. Each Christian has been gifted. There's no question about that. But they can be thought of this way. They're brought into bearing, and, and they're kind of like a, a primary color maybe. And then as as God gifts us with a gift, but another gifting over here, each person takes on, though these primary colors are in our lives, we have our own individual hue, you might say, and uh, we are uniquely gifted for the part that we're to play in the body of Christ. So they're not strictly defined in the New Testament. And sometimes I've heard Christians define them so strictly and become so occupied with what the Bible isn't, like defining the gift of teaching or the gift of service or the gift of helps to where people lose sight of uh, what he's after, which is using your gift. So they're not defined. In fact, we're not told to discover our gift, but we are told to employ our gift. And so we are gifted and we're to use our gift. And there's a sense in which you say, well, if you're to use it, how, how can you use it if you don't know what your gift is? Well, let me give you just a few tips as we, as we enter this section and then uh, we'll look at it more next time. But you'll find yourself more capable in some areas than others in the Christian life. You'll find yourself more comfortable. You'll find yourself more useful in some areas than in other areas. And you'll find yourself having more impact with less effort. Uh, and that's a good indication that you should continue serving in that realm. Secondly, others will notice it and appreciate it. Uh, one who has the gift of service will find himself able to serve and put things together in a way that others will even notice and say, boy, you did a good job. That's and they're thankful and it's helpful. So uh, you'll find yourself able. Others will see it. You'll find yourself bearing more fruit in one area than another. And then I would say get involved in service of every realm. Uh, get involved not just in one area, but in all areas of service. Well, yeah, but we're to employ our gift, and we're not to be all trying to be the I. No, you're not trying to usurp. You're not trying to be something you're not. You just get involved in every area of service, and then your gifts, your gift or gifts, will kind of flow to the surface. And I say that because the Bible... Uh, definitely teaches, and we're going to look at it. I mean, he starts with the gift of prophecy, then the, the gift of serving, then the gift of teaching, and we're going to look at them. But the Bible, though it distinguishes these gifts, it also calls on all Christians, for instance, to be involved in teaching. He says, let not many of you be teachers, but in Hebrews 5, he says, you ought to all be teaching by now. In Colossians 3, he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, teaching and admonishing one another. So there are general calls throughout the Scripture for all of us to teach. There are general calls for all of us to serve. There are general calls for all of us to give. It won't do to say, oh no, that's not my gift. No. Christ lives in us. And yes, he, we are His body collectively, but Christ 
will manifest every facet of his character in and through each individual Christian if we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, if we do walk in the Spirit. So we can be involved in all areas, but as I say, as we are, then we will sense, and others will, and we will start to bear more fruit in certain areas, and uh, God will honor that and bless that, and then we can be sure that we are employing our gift in serving one another. Uh, Don't sink somebody else's gift. Don't uh, imitate someone else's gift, except as you see Christ in them. But as you do see Christ in another person, why then you can imitate or emulate what you see of Christ. But beware of seeking to be someone you're not. Just realize God has gifted you particularly and uniquely for the role that you play in the body of Christ. I'll tell you, nothing will so invigorate your Christian experience if you've been sitting on the sidelines, maybe even saying, I don't know what my gift is. The Bible doesn't say, find out your gift. It says, serve. Nothing will so invigorate your Christian life as getting involved in serving one another, ministering outward. I mean, Jesus came, didn't he? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, Mark ten forty five, and to give his life a ransom for many. Emulate him, Christian. Don't seek to be served. Don't sit in a church and say, what am I getting out of this? What am I, what's this doing for me and mine? Which is the American way of thinking. I mean, it's the natural man's way of thinking. Self-centered. No, think, what can I give to this church? What can I give to this body of believers? What can I give to Christ the head? Emulate your Savior in giving, in serving, in loving. In this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. Beloved, we ought to love one another, is the tone of Scripture. Do what he did. And then I speak finally, and I say, you know, maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. Or even as, you, as we speak, you realize, I'm not sure I'm part of the body of Christ. Let me requote that last verse I quoted and just call you to him. The Son of Man came not to be served. The call of Christianity is not start serving God. The call of Christianity is that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Maybe even as I speak, you realize He came for me because I'm telling you, Christ died for sinners. Come to Christ Enjoy all the benefits that God has for you. And then he'll put you into his service. And there's nothing like it. There's no greater joy than to have real purpose in life and to know why you're here and to be using your life and your energies and your gifts and your talents and your abilities for something that lasts for eternity. But you need to come to Christ first. So do that today. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, One Body, Many Members, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. There is unity in the church, and so you meet Christians, I don't care from what country, what culture, what background, and we have that bond of unity. And we often recognize it almost immediately. You've had the experience, no doubt, of meeting someone from real diverse background, and, and uh, yet you've sensed that unity. And also, even when you have similar backgrounds, you live next door to each other, you're in the same congregation, you have variety of gifts. You know, we're just so different, and yet there's that unity, and we need each other. Unity, diversity, mutuality. Now, every Christian is gifted at the point of conversion. The Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual gift the moment you become a Christian. Now, a spiritual gift is an ability or a talent to serve Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, One Body, Many Members. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 